702-702-1702. Time now to talk parenting with Nikki Bush. She is an author, a speaker, a parenting and human potential expert. And every Saturday morning, Nikki joins us to talk about how to maximize your child's potential and make sure that you do as much as you can or that you're able to do the best that you can in ensuring that uh, you help them fulfill their dreams. This morning, we're talking the importance of helping children develop a musical relationship with the world. Nikki Bush, good morning. Why is music so important in an individual's uh, development? Rafael, where music is a way of taking the brain to gym, of toning it up for listening and for learning. And the great thing about music is that you can make music with just about anything, anywhere, at very little cost. Mm -hmm. And so we really do need to help our children to develop this musical relationship with the world. And I think many parents are completely unaware of the fact that there is a relationship between music and learning. So it's been linked to language, to speech, memory, attention, maths, and emotional expression. Mm-hmm. And did you know that rhythm in music is related to the rhythm in reading and writing and spelling and times tables? So being able to develop that sort of cadence, right? And the same cadence is, um, I think for me, was a, a great way uh, in learning, uh, as you say, learning the times tables, having a little rhythm going on, and it sort of like settles it in your mind and creates a groove that, you know, it sticks and it lodges in your mind. And until, you know, things like timetables, for instance, are just reflexive. You don't have to sit and count and think. It just comes naturally, right? And, you know, it's... it's um when we do, when we do the when we add the music and the rhythm to something like times tables or poetry or anything sure. um we 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 are also um wiring because there's repetition we're wiring the brain we are creating that that memory um and and that's part of it um you know times tables don't come naturally to a lot of people mm. but the minute music to it, the minute you put rhythm to it or a rhyme to it, suddenly it's memorable. And if you think about um, words, you break them up into symbols. So take a big word like hippopotamus. So we go hippopotamus, you know, and and that makes it easier for a child to remember. So, um, So butterfly, elephant, hippopotamus. And think about writing especially something like cursive. Mm. Cursive writing has a rhythm to it. And for creativity, it's it's through, um, you know, the rhythm of the cursive writing. And in fact, it's something that schools um, have done over recent years as they've gone to printing. But printing actually doesn't access the creative brain in the same way mm. as writing. And it's because of the flow of the cursive and the musicality of cursive that you get the flowing of ideas. And then there's a sense of rhythm and timing in reading. Um, You know, listen to a seven-year-old reading aloud Mm. versus to a 10-year-old reading aloud. And then what about rap music? Mm. Isn't music just spoken words put to rhythm? Of course, yeah. Yeah, so there's there's a lot about music that is so good for the brain in terms of um, 
emotion and releasing tension. Mm. And um, the heart rate, believe it or not, mm. is linked to music. So if you think about music, some music is fast, some music is slow. The speed and the beat of music is important. And a child's heart rate beats at 80 beats per minute. An adult is slightly less, somewhere between sort of 65 and 70 odd. If you want to excite children and hype them up, play music that's faster than heart rate. <laughs> and if you want to calm them down, then play music that's slightly slower than heart rate. Mm. And fast, too fast would be about 120 beats per minute. And interestingly, what happens when music is too fast, the thinking brain shuts down. And this leaves the emotional brain open where your values, beliefs and culture sit and open to suggestion. And that's why, uh, you know, we often look at some of the the adult music, especially the music that is put to these um, to gaming, sure. PlayStation, etc. Uh, and, and you think of a game like Grand Theft Auto that has an 18 age restriction for a very good reason. Mm -hmm full of sex and violence and you know all sorts of things and it has a very 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 fast soundtrack which means that when children are playing with that game they are absolutely open to having their values their beliefs and their culture shifted and that's the danger in something like that mm. so we do need to be aware of content we need to be aware of lyrics and we need to be a little bit more aware of the speed of soundtracks. And I often say to teachers, you know, kids arrive in, in school quite stressed today because they have been listening to the news with their parents in the car and the news is usually not good. And they are privy to adult conversations that perhaps stress them. Mm. And children are arriving stressed. And so what I suggest to teachers is that they actually start the day with beautiful music that lowers the heart rate and opens the brain for learning. Sure. Nikki, I mean, you've established quite nicely for us the benefits of music, um, uh, especially for brain development, for language, vocabulary, for learning uh, and improving cognitive function, right? Um, when does a child's uh, musical relationship with the world start? When does music start appealing to that little mind, that, 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 new, that new life? You know, and you've got a baby. So mm. this is such a perfect question because musical stimulation and, and, and just for framing this conversation, it's not about creating a musician necessarily. Yes, yes, yes. Um, music, Musical stimulation starts in utero when parents sing to their baby before it's born. And they can also play music to their unborn baby because a baby hears absolutely everything muffled, but also the vibrations. Yeah. And a baby feels everything too, you know, whether the mother's happy, sad, stressed, etc. And the heartbeat of the mother is the beginning of that musicality. And it's incredibly loud for your child. And I'm thinking of that heartbeat. And I'm thinking about all the marching and the music we've been watching with Queen Elizabeth's procession, you know, of the coffin. Uh, there's this, this beat. Um, so, you know, after birth, parents should continue with lullabies and special songs. My children remember all the songs I sang them when they were babies. And even my godchildren and my nieces and nephews, they remember because there were some specific songs related to me. 
Um, I loved things like I would sing them Edelweiss um, from The Sound of Music. Mm-hmm. And um, here is the beehive. Now, my, my, my voice is not so great this morning uh, on the back end of some bronchitis. So I won't sing to you this morning. <laughs> but they remember these very specific songs from me. And there is rhythm that's experienced when being rocked in the mother's arms. So think about when you're singing and rocking your child. It's a total body brain experience. But there's also the heart experience because your voice is still more desirable than anybody else's and more desirable than even beautiful music. Mm. There's a quality of liveness about human voices and live music. that defies everything else. And we need to remember with children, it can be as simple as a kitchen orchestra when you've got a a toddler sitting on the floor in the kitchen while you're cooking, that you give them the pots and the pans and the wooden spoons and the metal spoons, and they work out the different sounds between wood on metal and metal on metal. Um, And they need to physically experience making sound, making music. because they are learning how they are able to control the world. And then, of course, they go to nursery school. And in nursery school, when they're toddlers, they're taught action songs. Mm. So the whole body is brought into play when they're doing these action songs and these nursery rhymes. And what are they doing when they're doing all of those things? They're having to remember the words and remember the actions that builds up this memory and this confidence. And then you go to their first little concerts. And what are they doing in their first little concerts? Mostly they're looking around and not paying attention. <laughs> and their parents. But they're also standing up there doing all the things they've been practicing with their teacher and practicing at home. So you think about how repetition develops a sense of mastery and grows that confidence. Um, and, and that in turn you know, helps them to manage other challenges. And it was so interesting the other day, I was speaking in Durban and I was speaking to teachers. And while we were doing some prep work in the hall before I started, it was starting to rain outside. Yeah. And somebody said, Mr. Foster went to Gloucester. And we all happened to be a similar age and we all chimed in, all in a shower of rain. He stepped in a puddle right up to his middle and never went there again. (laughs) (laughs) And we all realized that we'd had the same education. And in grace, we had all been taught that poem. And then we started talking about the fact that when we were in grade three, we were learning Setswana. Mm -hmm. No, we were learning Sutu. Sorry, we were learning Sutu. And we could all remember the songs that we had been taught in Sutu Mm -hmm. because we had done them over and over and over again. So there is something to be said for the rhythm, for the words, and for the repetition that comes with learning things with that musicality in mind. So you've established, I mean, you've established, you know, music and its its place and in, in memory and shared experiences, but the importance of music and the link to, uh, music's link to culture, I mean, it might seem quite obvious, but, you know, it also, it also lets you, gives you an in, inlet into other cultures, right, as, as, uh, aside from your own, aside from uh, bestowing or bequeathing to you and passing down um, knowledge and tradition, etc. But, you know, popular culture as well. Just flesh that out for us, Nikki. 
Yeah, so, you know, I think music is so linked to, to how you do things as a family. It's linked to how you do things in your particular culture. If you think about the kinds of songs that you sing on a regular basis, let's think Happy Birthday, mm-hmm. you know, the Happy Birthday song, um, which is the most played song in human history. Uh, think about Christmas carols. It heralds a time of the year or a season. There's, it's a trigger, an emotional trigger. Um, your national anthem, you know, talk about national pride when we're watching our soccer team play or our cricket team or our rugby team. You know, that moment of national pride, I just always get goosebumps when I watch the crowd. So there's that emotional trigger. Then consider what we do when we have rituals like weddings. Mm-hmm. Funerals. There are specific songs often with weddings. Um, and if you are watching CNN or BBC right now with the up and coming funeral of Queen Elizabeth II, there's an enormous amount of, of music that is linked to that particular culture. Uh, so take the British culture of land and hope and glory of hope and glory, you know the last night of the proms, things that have been played for hundreds of years that are like deeply entrenched in that culture. And we've got Heritage Day coming up next weekend, I think it is. And that's also a great time to to link to music that is linked to your culture. And to I think, you know, we worry about South Africans and all our multiple languages in in, in our country, you know, being lost. But one of the key ways that we can keep them alive Mm. is actually music. And by singing those deep cultural songs to our children, making sure that we keep it alive. I, I always am amazed at how fingers are pointed outwards at blaming and shaming society for not celebrating and retaining our culture. But it starts in the home and what we do with our children. And one of the things that we need to do if we want to make sure that those languages stay alive, and I know it's very, very, you know, popular for people to teach their children to sing and and talk in English, because obviously English is that um, first world language that will help you get by in the world. But we need to make sure that we keep those second, third and fourth languages alive through conversation at home and through music and, and by finding those books um, that are written in that mother tongue. Really important stuff. Yeah. Nikki, um, you also have a suggestion for, I guess, the more fun elements, uh, the more fun activities uh, that we can do at home as well with our children, creating our own instruments out of waste. Absolutely. And I think this is just, it just proves the point that music is free. Uh, when you next finish your um, tinfoil roll or your cling wrap, that that cardboard cone, fill it with some rice to make a rainmaker. Mm. And then, of course, you need to secure the ends. And there's nothing like like a rainmaker. to It's a soothing sound. So as you move that... Um, uh, that that core up and down, it sounds like rain. And then you can get your plastic cool drink bottles and fill them with things like beans, dried beans or popcorn kernels or rice and get three bottles, fill them with different things and your child will hear the variations of all the different sounds. And of course, there's body percussion. You can make music with your body, learning to click 
or stamp your feet or clap your hands or rubbing your hands together. Or you can have furniture percussion where we bang the table, where we tap glasses Mm -hmm. uh, with a knife or a fork or a pen even, where we can flap paper. And then, of course, there's the voice percussion. And you know this as I do. When you're going to be giving a speech or emceeing, you do your voice prep where you do the hum, the ease and the shh and the tings (laughs) and the eyes. And we need to have fun, fun with the voice, fun with the body, fun with furniture, fun Mm. with pots and And then, of course, you may even get to a place where you introduce your children to musical instruments. And in some schools, uh, especially private schools, they do get the option at some point of learning an instrument. Most children never, ever continue with it. But some children do have that musical gene, whether it's in the voice or whether it's in playing an instrument. But it is about exposing our children uh, to music, to instruments um, and see where it goes. Mm. But at the end of the it's just a great part of their development. Yeah, absolutely. Creating memories and, um, as you say, coming together as a family as well. So, of course, Nikki, we can get all this info at NikkiBush.com. Absolutely. Take uh, care. We'll chat soon. All right. So if any topics, any suggestions uh, for matters that you'd like Nikki Bush to unpack in the weeks to come, please do drop us a mail. Rafilo at 702.co.za.